It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 11th of October, 2022. Yeah, right. That's right. It's a Monday. No, it's a Tuesday. It's a, I don't know. You know what it is. It's Tuesday. I want to get started with the program as quickly as possible so I can't screw up the intro any more than I already have. Don't forget to uh, check out patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. You can see for free, you don't have to be a member of the pictures from the birthday party that I took up there, the birthday weekend extravaganza as Bailey turns four. They have a limit on the number of pictures you can upload to uh, locals. So I just decided to make it available for everybody without having to join on uh, on Patreon because it's a much better platform, much more user-friendly. So check it out, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast, or you can go to locals, or DerekHunter.locals.com, support the show, get the weekend F and review and all that good stuff. All right. Enough with the pitch. Let's get on with the show. I am a, a very cynical person, but I have become even more cynical. And it's just in resp- it's not because I've got nothing better to do, although some days, some days. But on most days, I've got better things to do, even if it's just a Costco run. But I'm just a wildly cynical person when you sit there and you watch these crusty. Old- you know, Joe Biden doesn't give a damn about Indigenous People's Day. You know, he he signs a proclamation acknowledging indigenous people. Oh, they're so wonderful. They're so much better than everybody else. I give you my word as a Biden. Well, I believe that everybody's better than a Biden. But, uh, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're just blowing smoke up these people's rear ends. I don't think Native Americans buy into this crap. They're like, oh, the noble Native American. We must honor their traditions. I think most of them are just like, why don't you just leave us the hell alone, all right? We're trying to live our lives. You don't need to be pointed at and going, oh, you're so special. Come running across. You're so special. The president says you're super special. Yeah, can I can I get a piece of that Biden money? No, you can't do that. But, you know, you're, you're super duper, ooper, pooper, scooper special. The president loves you. Really? Not really, no. This president's a bit of a racist. He doesn't give a damn about it. But, you know... Still, the uh, yeah, but still crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, we we mean it. Do you? No, but still, we mean, uh, we're, we're going to say it. Indigenous Peoples Day. Do you think a single, do you think Nancy Pelosi is sitting there going, well, in the list of my accomplishments in life. No, I'm not talking about what she'll say in her exit interview with 60 Minutes as, you know, whoever, I don't know, Steve Croft even there. They'll find some other softball interview. I don't know, Steve Croft even still alive. Uh, they'll find some other softball interview. Scott Pelley seems to be doing it now. They go, what are your greatest accomplishments? She might say, you know, getting the government to acknowledge Indigenous Peoples Day rather than that horrible racist Columbus Day. I remember she watched the uh, the goon squad throw the, pic- the statue of... Uh, Christopher Columbus into the bay in Baltimore and said, well, people are going to do what they're going to do. What are you going to do? There's nothing, nothing, no crime and no harm, no foul, nothing like that. So she doesn't professionally care. But personally, if she's having a conversation with her drunk husband on a drive home from one of their vineyards some Friday night, liquored up and really letting it all hang out. And Paul, you know, is obviously with her, not with, you know, some other lady or whatever, but he's driving any, let's just say he makes it home. 
this time without hitting anybody. And as he's driving through wine country, do you think she's reflecting on her life? And Paul says, well, honey, you know, you've been in government since the earth cooled and uh, time has not done you any favors as far as your looks goes. But what do you think when you're dead and gone? What do you think you're going to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want engraved on your tombstone? Do you think in the list of 100 things that she did, or Joe Biden in the same scenario, would be, I acknowledged Indigenous Peoples Day? Do you think they care? No, they don't care. This is pandering. What's really bizarre to me is it's pandering to about 5% of the population. I've never seen a political party hitch its wagon so thoroughly to such a tiny percentage of the population. Think about what they do. Think about what they've done. Think about who they are. The commanders, the Washington commanders, the Washington Redskins, they changed their name because of pressure from crusty white women. Yeah, that's, that was who did it. Every survey of Native Americans said, we don't want you to change the name. We actually, it's, it's, a, it's a tribute. No, don't leave. No, no, no. But crusty suburban white women, liberal white women who spend their days drinking Chardonnay, going to garage sales, hoping to find something they can flip for, you know, $10 more than they bought it for, to try and find some sort of meaning in their suburban lifestyle. Got nothing but time on their hands, the leisure class. So they decide that their life has no meaning. They must, everybody else must be like them. They, said we have to change the name. It's offensive. It's offensive to you. It's not offensive to the people you're claiming to be offended on behalf of. 95% in the latest, the last survey that was done before the Redskins cave said 95% of Native Americans said don't change the name. We're not offended by it. But Karens were, Karens win. And that's why we have a government that acknowledges Indigenous Peoples Day. The whole concept behind Indigenous Peoples Day is absurd. Oh, Columbus Day is racist. Columbus Day is racist. Yeah, Columbus brought nothing but destruction. Don't you understand? Don't you understand that somebody would have figured out that this thing was round at some point? And yeah, you can take your Leif Erikson's and stuff them in a sack. But somebody would have, in a major way and continued to do it, would have figured out that this, this planet is round. Right? And then what would have happened? Well, the same diseases would have crossed the Atlantic. Because that's the way it works. That's the way the world works. You don't have any natural immunity to influenza. It doesn't matter when you come into contact with influenza. It's not going to be a good time. Right? Whether it's 1492 or 1972, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be a good time. Realistically, the left is just mad that somehow, for some reason that I don't understand, historians probably won't be allowed to study anymore. Europe had the Renaissance. Europe had the Enlightenment. They made massive advances in technology, in shipping technology, food preservation, the economics came about, trade, things like that. It all happened in a relatively short period of time. And it's nobody's fault. And it doesn't mean anybody's better than anybody else. Sooner or later, somebody was going to break through. And it just so happened to be 
Europe. And at a time when, you know, they're still moving around in canoes over in the Americas. They're still doing human sacrifices, things like that. So you sit there and you go, oh, it's horribly, these horrible racists came over and took advantage of it. I promise you, if the technological advances had been reversed and the trips across the Atlantic had been reversed, the exact same thing would have happened. Oh, how can you say that, Derek? Well, because the exact same garbage that was happening on the other side of the planet with slavery, human trafficking and things, we got rid of the, uh, for the most part, certainly in Europe, they'd had their human sacrifices, but we got rid of that by 1492 for the most part. They'd invented clothes and things like that. They would have, uh, it would have stayed the same if the natives had created the, the shipping and the economy and the, the understanding and the thoughts and the, the evolution of thought. If it had gone in the other direction, if the Enlightenment had happened here rather than there, who cares? It was going to happen sooner or later. So it wasn't as though, oh my goodness. All the Native Americans, they'd still be, they were killing each other. They were enslaving each other. So, you know, that would have probably been uh, even expanded had the Europeans not come over here. And uh, they brought the flu with them. But you know what? There were diseases, there were viruses over here that the Europeans didn't have immunity to. The reason it didn't go back to Europe is pretty simple, or at least go back to Europe and in uh, the way, in the devastating way that it happened here, it was pretty simple. It was that it took months, to cr- weeks at least, to cross the Atlantic. If you were susceptible to whatever virus that's going to kill you, guess what happened? You died along the way. You weren't there to uh, inflict it on the mainland. The people who brought over the flu and things like that over to here, they had immunity to it. They'd survived it before. So they had these antibodies. This is what we all learned about antibodies. They had these things. So it could travel across the, the Atlantic on a ship going from crew member to crew member where they're like, oh, I had a couple of days where I felt crappy, but now I'm back. I'll go swab the deck. And now the other guy is is down with it. It kept circulating through the crew as they crossed, and that's how it survived. The other people, the other way, I assume they they died from it or they died from it while they were here. The other people had had their uh, bout with it and survived it. So a living virus wasn't in there. They were not patient zero. They were not a Petri dish. But this idea that, oh, my goodness, Europeans devastated this continent. The natives had pretty much devastated the continent, too. Everywhere human beings exist. It's a human being thing. Democrats, I know you want to separate us down by their skin color, but it's really uh, bipeds with opposable thumbs have done horrible things throughout their existence. Slavery, human sacrifice, wars. They'd have you believe that over here it was nothing. It was just this side of utopia. It was realistically, it was uh, the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve got chucked out, the uh, Native Americans from uh, north to south recreated it here, and it was wonderful. And they all just got along, and it was a, a firm handshake deal that they all just agreed to live and let live. No, no. It was 
every bit the the hell that Europe was, that Africa was, that Asia was, warring tribes based on language barriers, whatever. They would fight with each other over resources, food, gold, whatever it is, shiny rocks, because of the precursor to basketball that was created over here. They ran out of human heads. They decided to go to war. We need need another human head to stuff so we can play this ball game. Human nature is human nature, and it's called human nature for a reason, because humans exhibit it. I understand, and realistically, if you think about what Democrats claim, they're saying that a group of humans is somehow, was somehow, several groups of humans actually, was somehow exempt, immune from human nature, which, to my mind, if I'm the hypersensitive leftist type, which, thank God, I'm not, that would be dehumanizing. You're saying, well, this group, uh, human nature is terrible. Human nature is violent. Human, they just mean Europeans. They ignore all the horrible things that everybody else has done. But everybody else, wonderful. Well, you, so you're saying it's human nature. Human nature applies to human beings. So then you're saying that other people who are non-Europeans are not human? Because if you're human, you are subject to human nature. Not theoretically, but reality. There's no there's no two ways about it. There's no way around it. That's the way the world works, just from a logical standpoint. So they'll, of course, if you ever tell anybody on the left that thing, that's not what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. No, I don't know what you're saying. I know what you're saying is stupid, but as far as the understanding of it, that's where you lose me. So as these old, crusty white people find the radical leftist groups to bring out and say, oh, here's a Native American. Yeah, she's, they're probably going to be, uh, if you notice these things, then maybe they'll get that guy that uh, Nick Sandman that was like assaulted by Nick Sandman, the guy got in his face with the drum. Hey, oh, hey, oh. The guy who desperately, hopefully somebody got him some dental work by now. But maybe they'll drag him out there because he's a left-wing activist. He just happens to be a Native American. Keep that in mind. If every one of these... Uh, People that you see celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day and crying and marching down the streets of New York going, oh, Columbus killed us all. It's horrible, horrible. Every single one of them would be involved in the Women's March. Every single one of them would be involved in a march for abortion. Every single one of them would be out there demanding uh, universal pre-K, universal health care, cradle to grave, government uh, coddling, whatever. It doesn't matter the cause. It's just today they get shoved up to the front because of their skin color, which is really gross the grand scheme of things. But they'll be out there calling for it. Columbus was a horrible monster. Just recognize that they are a tiny percentage of the whole. A tiny percentage of the whole. And you can sit there and you can take comfort in that to a certain extent until you realize and never lose sight of this because this is really the lesson. That you can say, well, they're just such a small person. Nobody's really supporting them. They're tiny, tiny percentage. Remember that a tiny percentage of the population can do horrible things if they're dedicated enough and the rest of the population lets them. That's why the left needs to be defeated. The Nazis were not a majority. They were more than 5%, but they were not a majority. They were committed. 
the real power, most of the people who voted for Hitler didn't know what the hell they were actually voting for in the beginning. They eventually got swept up in the frenzy, but in the beginning they had no idea. The inner cabal of a very small percentage of Germans who burned the Reichstag, for example, who plotted with Hitler, and then many of them got executed by Hitler because they outlived their usefulness. They were the true believers. Never underestimate the ability of a tiny percentage of the population committed enough and the evil, the evil that they could do. Keep an eye on these people. They need to be held in check. They now control the entire Democratic Party. That's why Democrats need to be defeated, without question. All right, enough about indigenous people. I just, I, I still can't get over it. These people are like, oh, it's so horrible what these people did. They're just so horrible. Yeah, well, you are all so horrible there on the left. And to demonstrate this... Christopher Rufo over at the Manhattan Institute, he, uh, he find, he's the one who helped expose all this critical race theory garbage in schools. He's uh, exposing all of the, It's amazing. These people do these things in public. Oh, uh, let's uh, live stream our school board meeting where we talk about how everybody's either a victim or a perp and we need to teach children that they can't get ahead in this country and blah, blah, blah. And then... Rufo says, hey, look at this video I found of these people talking. They say, oh, my God, he's, uh, he's threatening people. He's caught. No, he's not. All he's doing is you're, you're doing this stuff publicly. He's just bringing it to a, a larger audience. I'm sorry that your little podunk crappy school board isn't the most exciting thing in most people's lives. But uh, now you're getting the attention you always claim that you wanted. They always, well, parents need to be involved in their children's education. Then parents got involved in their children's education and recoiled in horror at what's going on. And they said, parents shouldn't be involved in their children's education. Oh, that's weird. Well, the uh, insanity of leftism is metastasizing throughout society. They've got a stranglehold on primary schools. They've got a stranglehold on colleges. They are... Um, it's really gross. They're a tumor with uh, tentacles spreading out into everything, everything. And now they're getting into medical schools, medical schools. Now, how do you politicize medicine? You politicize medicine this way. The University of uh, Minnesota now has an oath that students must take, must take. Not the Hippocratic Oath to first do no harm. No, not that. No. They're not interested. I mean, it depends. You should do no harm unless it's in the name of equity. Then you're obligated to do harm. No, this is an oath to, quote, honor all indigenous ways of healing that have been historically marginalized by Western medicine. Let that sink in. And they want to fight, quote, white supremacy, colonialism, and the gender binary. They have to they have to recite this now. Listen, I'll, I'll read it to you. It's not very long. It's incredibly damaging. You don't need a whole lot of words to do a whole lot of damage. So with gratitude, we, the students of the University of Minnesota Twin Cities Medical School Class of 2026, stand here today among our friends, families, peers, mentors, and communities who have supported us in reaching this milestone. Our institution is located on Dakota land. Ah, no, it's not. No, no, as then, then if <clears throat> I just want to point out 
that these leftists, they always say, we're stealing, standing on stolen land. The noble Native American had this land a thousand years ago, and therefore we should give it, they want to give back every plot of land except for any plot of land that they own. They give it back parcel by parcel. They could sign over their deeds. They don't do it. But ask those same leftists, who was first in, uh, in Israel? Because if it's, we were here first, and therefore it's forever ours, then I would say that uh, Jewish people have a pretty solid claim on Israel. Just saying, if it's about who planted the flag, there's a flag planted there 5,000 years ago that, you know, maybe they, no, no, they wouldn't mean that. They, they see, they, they hate Israel, they hate Jews. So they're not going to go down that route, but they apply that uh, logic to everything else. We're located on Dakota land. Today, many indigenous people from throughout the state, including Dakota and Ojibwe, call the Twin Cities home. We recognize and acknowledge that is not enough. Why is it not enough? Why is it not enough? I mean, nothing's stopping you idiots from walking over there and just draining your bank accounts and giving it to them, going, here you go, here you go. There's everything. Nothing is, well, except for the fact that you don't do it. That's the only thing stopping you. Now comes the fun part, which is the dangerous part. We commit to uprooting the legacy and perpetuation of structural violence deeply embedded within the healthcare system. What? How about you just treat patients, you know? We don't need a little, uh, you do to be a, a general or a colonel in the social justice warrior army. We need you to heal sick people. That's it. But that's, that's secondary. Secondary. Never get treated by anybody who goes to the University of Minnesota's medical school if they're under 40 years old. Don't do it. We recognize inequities built by past and present traumas rooted in past and present traumas. Past traumas, you mean things that didn't happen to you, right? You, know, I, you lead a normal life. You're leading a one, and then you open a book and you find out that 300 years ago, something horrible happened to somebody, either to somebody who looks like you or by somebody who looks like you. If you lose sleep over that, if you are traumatized by that in any way, shape, or form, uh, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. Maybe your parents didn't love you enough or whatever, and uh, that's all on you. If you want to live your rest of your life riddled with uh, guilt or victim status over things that didn't happen to you, knock yourself out. The problem is these people want to inflict it on everybody else. The problem is these people are talking about medicine. Medicine. And they're going to use that in medicine. We recognize inequities built by past and present traumas. Again, if it didn't happen to you, it's not trauma. Uh, rooted in white supremacy, colonialism, the gender binary, ableism, and all forms of oppression. All forms. What? You've already got. All forms of oppression covers everything. But, of course, they just say, you know, everybody, well, the, the women are being uh, victimized, especially trans women of color. Well, wait a second. Are they being, if they're all being victimized, they're all being... No, 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 but especially this group. Especially this one. Especially the other thing. Because they're playing games. They're playing games. 
as we enter this profession, meaning medicine, with opportunity for growth, we commit to promoting a culture of anti-racism, listening, and amplifying voices for positive change. Don't, did I mention don't ever go to a doctor that went to the University of Minnesota? Actually, you probably shouldn't go to see a medical professional who's under the age of 40. My friend Liz put it at age 45, but I think you can probably find a doctor. It's 40. It's pretty good. We pledge to honor all indigenous ways of healing that have been historically marginalized by Western medicine. Um, so you go in, I'm sorry, you've got cancer. If you go out and root for uh, forage for nuts and berries, you'll be just fine. Eat red, as many red berries as you can. Take this root, rub this root on it uh, a couple times a day as it bulges out of your neck. And uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, oh, and also, uh, I don't know, build a doll and like whatever. I don't know what traditional ways are. Smoke wheat. I don't know what traditional medicine is, but I do know that they didn't have chemotherapy back on the uh, as the Indians roamed the plains. At least I'm pretty sure they didn't. They didn't have surgery to really remove tumors and all the traces of cancer they can get. They didn't even have radiation treatment. They didn't have so many things, but they're going to honor, honor, honor. All indigenous ways of healing. Yes. Oh, I see that you broke your arm and it's bent backwards. Well, you know what? Why don't you wrap it in a buffalo skin and, I don't know, go figure it out. Give it a couple of months. You don't need that. You got another arm. I mean, what are you whining about? Do you imagine this crap? This is medicine. How about we uh, pledge to treat everybody the same and heal everybody without regard to these sorts of things? No, no, no. They're actually pledging to heal people differently. With regards to these things. Now, if you're a Native American and you go in and you say, Doc, my uh, my shoulder's killing me. They say, well, why don't you just, uh, why don't you smoke some marijuana? Because uh, 500 years ago, they, I assume that's probably what they did. So if you just smoke weed, you'll cover it. No, but I think it has something to do with a giant spike. I fell and it, it, it broke my shoulder. There's something sticking. Yeah, you know what, though? Marijuana and time. That'll heal it. Go sleep in a teepee. No, I have a house down the street. It doesn't matter. Look, we understand. It's the most condescending thing in the world. It's the most condescending thing in the world. Knowing that health is intimately connected to our environment, we commit to healing our planet and communities. <laughs> so they're putting aside Western medicine, you know, the stuff that works, in exchange for nuts and berries and whatever, and dances and things like that. And they promise to heal the planet and communities, not people. Not the people, to hell with the people, but the planet and the communities they're going to do. I don't think you need to go to medical school for that. <laughs> Is the community bleeding? Does the, what if you, if you shoot a gun into the planet? Does somebody have to come out and stitch it up? No, I don't think so. I think the planet goes on just fine. It concludes thusly. We vow to embrace our role as community members and strive to embody cultural humility cultural oh no all cultures are exactly the same exactly the same no they're not uh, you know because i mean i know that the left doesn't really like to talk about what's going on over in iran they don't like to talk about the way the middle east treats gay people or the middle east treats women or a lot of eastern europe treats women or whatever all cultures are not the same 
if you or if your culture, if a culture advocates for and embraces and pressures the marriage of 13-year-old girls or 10-year-old girls or really anybody under the age of 18 to 50-year-old crusty men who shower once a month, I'd say that your culture sucks. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, you might, well, what about our food? Your food can be great. Your food can be wonderful. You can produce some interesting movies or art or whatever. But in general, uh, any culture that says, hey, uh, there's a gay guy. Let's take him to a high building and throw him off. Not super good. Not in my book anyway, but then I'm not a progressive leftist. So what the hell do I know? We promise to continue restoring trust in the medical system. Not if you're going to be giving people nuts and berries for cancer treatment because you're honoring their cultural heritage rather than their desire to live. And fulfilling our responsibility as educators and advocates. No, you have no obligation. You're not educators or advocates. You're an educator if you're a teacher. But if you're just a doctor, you're not an educator. And you're not an advocate in any way, shape, or form professionally. What you do in your own time is up to you. We commit to collaborating with social, political, and additional systems to advance health equity. There are far too many of these people having good outcomes compared to these people. Which do you think is easier to do? Raise the good outcomes of the people who are not having good outcomes or lower the outcomes of the people who are having too many good outcomes? It's not that far of a stretch. The Nazis weren't that long ago, ladies and gentlemen. This is how they came about. We will learn from the scientific innovations made before us and pledge to advance and share this knowledge with peers and neighbors. Oh, they're going to be proselytizing. They're going to be going door to door. Suddenly the medical profession is Jehovah's Witnesses. Suddenly they are in your face. About Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what your life is missing? Is somebody coming over to your neighborhood barbecue and lecturing you about how good you've got it? Can you undercook their burger and give them worms? And finally, we recognize the importance of being in community with and advocating for those we serve. So what does that mean? Does that mean you're going to... Doctors will only treat patients who look like them, who live near them? Eh. Now, of course, this was a program for the white coat ceremony, for the, the welcoming ceremony for the incoming class. The closing remarks at this event where this pledge was uh, forced to be recited. Closing event was Anna Nunez. She is an MD. She is the Vice Dean for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. It really should be Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity, so you can shorten it to die, because that's what these people want you to do, and this is kind of what I want them to do. But she is also, she specializes in, quote, gender medicine. Gender medicine. You wonder why we're going to hell in a handbasket. It's because places and companies and schools, they hire people for these positions. Oh, the vice president for diversity, equity, and inclusion here at Coca-Cola. Oh, that's worthless. Fire them. Fire every single one of them. Or take your money elsewhere. I want to. I do want to talk about because I've gotten your emails, I've gotten your your messages. What do you think of Kanye? We didn't talk about Kanye. You didn't play. I I think I'm the only person on the planet 
who watched that I watched most of that Kanye thing both nights. I didn't pay super close attention to it. I was making dinner and or and or cleaning up from dinner or whatever. I just I don't honestly care what Kanye says. Occasionally he says something interesting and and it drives the left nuts. But I always viewed Kanye as the way you Conservatives far too often get wildly excited at the prospect that somebody involved in pop culture or somebody who breaks a stereotype might have said something that they like. Aha! Like, look at this. Hey, what are you going to do? And then they highlight that person and they try and, and they, they don't try to. They elevate that person, too, in many ways. Not that you can really elevate Kanye. He's about as high up as you can get, but... They elevate them and say, look at this. This person is speaking the voice of truth. Conservatives do this a lot with kids. You're not kids, kids, not like five-year-olds or whatever. But there's always these, or there have been this series of wunderkinds. I remember, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago at CPAC, there was this kid. He was, he was like 10 years old or whatever, and he'd made some YouTube videos. Like, oh, my God, this kid, he's so wonderful. Look at him. He's really taking it to Barack Obama, whatever it is. And the kid was, maybe he believed that thing at the time or whatever it was, but he's a kid. First of all, leave kids alone, for God's sakes. You're trying to make an argument to adults. You should probably make the argument with adults in a way that adults can understand. You can speak to kids, but don't get too excited about, oh, he's a 12-year-old conservative firebrand. Okay, yeah, but now he's he's 18 and he's a rabid leftist. What do you do? You just built this guy up as he's the future and he's wonderful and everything. And now you got him because the entire left-wing industrial complex is designed to go and get people like this and suck them over to their side. And once they do that, what do you do? You well... We never really liked him all that much. What are you talking about? You got hours of video of you guys putting him on television and building him up at primetime speaking slots at CPAC. And oh my God, they tried to give him his own TV show. And I mean, and you go, all right, I got nothing. I'm sorry, screwed up. So don't screw up in the first place. If some celebrity says something, if they're not known as a conservative, and if they say something or even some things where like, let's, that's right on, take it for what it's worth. Highlight that sort of thing and say look this person said this and there's truth to that and blah 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 and you put them on use that as a way to reach more people but don't say this person is somehow imbued with insights that mere mortals do not have because they're always going to let you down they're always going to let you down Kanye West if you want to make a record that's going to sell a million copies Kanye West is the guy you want to work with if you want to make an argument that's going to change a million minds, yeah. Kanye West ain't that guy, unless you don't care which way the minds are changed. As long as the minds are changed, I don't care. We turned as many people off as you turned on. Yeah, but they're now, I've changed a million minds. Not really a, a strategically great thing to do. Now, what am I talking about? Uh, Kanye West is pro-life. I'm not questioning Kanye West's pro-life bona fides. And if you want to point out that Kanye West is pro-life to people in the hopes that that matters to them to the point that they look at it, at least look at it differently, then fine, do that. If you say Kanye West is a capitalist and you want to say that to some socialist left-wing nut job, 
fine, great. But understand, if you say Kanye West is the way, rather than what Kanye West has said at various points on different things, is the way. Because then, if you don't say Kanye West is the way, Kanye West is a genius, Kanye West is somebody we should be elevating. If you don't throw Kanye West on your shoulders, but you just take specifics of what Kanye West has said, that you like, that you agree with, that whatever, then you have the ability to disavow, distance yourselves from the things that Kanye West says that you don't really like. But if you elevate him as, my God, he's the future of uh, conservatism, or he's, he's one way, or wonderful, and you should listen to him, he's a genius on all, then you got to answer for everything he says. And people, celebrities, will occasionally say things that conservatives go, absolutely, you can get an amen. Absolutely. My God. It's br- that doesn't mean they're on your team. Doesn't mean that they won't stab you in the back. They won't, you know, a lot of them, most of them will do it on purpose. A Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow made, he used to make funny movies. Now I don't know what the hell he does. I mean, he produced that bros movies that nobody wanted to go see. But uh, Judd Apatow used to make funny movies. He made probably the most uh, pro, the, certainly the most successful pro-life movie ever knocked up but it wasn't meant it wasn't made it wasn't created to be pro-life it just accidentally was people point that out and you could be tempted to say well Judd Apatow is pro-life Judd Apatow is a lefty he's a committed lefty and if you try and you do anything you build up you say look at knocked up that's a pro-life movie there you go you don't say Judd Apatow is pro-life Judd Apatow will stab you in the back he'll do it on purpose he'll do it knowingly he is a committed leftist he did that by accident. He was interested in making a funny movie, and that was the funny movie that just happened to be pro-life. And it drives him nuts that people look at it as a pro-life movie rather than a uh, just a comedy that made him a ton of money. It bothers the hell out of him. So if you want to bother him, fine. But don't uphold, like, Judd Apatow is a pro-life film. No, he's not. Because then they go and talk to him, and they find out that he's not, and you look like an idiot, and your cause is undermined. You can like some of the things that Kanye West has to say without saying Kanye West is a genius and he's a wonderful four time. But if you want to, like, if you, I don't blame Tucker. You got to get in the room with Kanye West. You got to get in the room with some of these people. You got to kind of kiss their butts. You got to. There's no way around it. They're not going to, his handlers are not going to put him in the room with somebody who, who might seriously challenge him or uh, take issue with certain things and, and have a serious discussion. I don't think Kanye West, honestly, I don't think he's capable of a serious discussion. Not that he's stupid. I don't think he's stupid. But you look at him, you listen to him, you hear what he has to say, and you sit there and you go, what in the hell? Ask a basic question and you get a five-minute work sal- a word salad. It doesn't make any sense. You can pick out a sentence or two that goes, all right, well, that I agree with. And maybe he's going to, nope, he's not answering the question anymore. Now he's off on another tangent about how he's the richest black man in the country or whatever. And you're sitting there going, this is, this is incoherent psychobabble. I'm the only person I think I've heard of, except for maybe my wife, although we haven't talked about it that much, who watched that interview and thought, this guy makes no sense 90% of the time. You can you can mine any... Look, if you somebody tosses a big enough word salad, you can pick out the tomatoes and go, oh, I love tomatoes. Here are the tomatoes. 
But that leaves a lot of celery and radishes and everything else in the bowl. And uh, the, the whole thing matters. So when I see conservatives last week building up Kanye West, oh, Kanye West is the future. Kanye West is this Kanye. And then Kanye West goes to his Twitter account on Saturday and tweets out the following, quote, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going to death, death, D-E-A-F, not death, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, and Jewish people is in all caps. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew. Not Jews, Jew. Also, you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. You can't make a whole lot of sense out of that tweet because... It's nonsense. I assume it was speech to text. I assume he was drunk and or high at the time. And I assume there were, well, he's a room full of lackeys. Nobody tells him no. And he just sends it out. It has since been deleted by Twitter, I believe, not by him. But he's going to DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. This coupled with when he was talking to Tucker, he seems really mad at the Kushners. Jared Kushner and Josh, I don't know what the other Kushner's name, I don't care enough about the Kushner family or to know who people married or whatever. But he was mad at them because he had a dinner with them and they found out that they, uh, one of them bought uh, a piece of a company that he owns a piece of and he he bought more of it than Kanye had. He was whining about 10% that this Kushner had versus the 5% that he had or whatever it is. And you're sitting there going, well, this is rich people problems. Who cares? But then he went on to say that uh, Jared Kushner seemed to only have uh, been involved in the Abraham Accords, meaning bringing peace to a lot of the Middle East, because it makes him money, because he was making money off of it. Like, uh, And you sit there and you go, what? First of all, I don't think Kanye West is all that familiar with the long-standing issues in the Middle East. Not that Jared Kushner is that big one, but he did manage to bring about the Abraham Accords or at least play a role in that, which is not nothing if you've got people who are swearing to kill other people, even if they aren't doing it. If you can get them to stop swearing to kill people and and start recognizing uh, other people's right to exist, that's a step in the right direction. But Kanye West was mad at the Kushners, so he accused Jared of somehow profiteering off of this agreement. He didn't back it up with much of anything because he didn't back up much of anything with anything. But it was just bizarre, and you sit there and you go, what the hell does that have to do with anything, and what is this guy talking about? And then two days later you get this, we're going death con three on Jewish people, And don't worry, I can't be anti-Semitic because black people are Jews. Um, That's not the way the world works, Kanye. (laughs) You can be just about anything you want. You can be a horrible person. It doesn't matter. But this is the problem. Kanye is being Kanye. And Kanye is, if you've paid attention to anything, even if you didn't want to pay attention to it, but you've caught a glimpse of what Kanye does when he makes news, this isn't out of the blue. Maybe not the anti-Semitism, but the random weirdness and disconnection from reality is is nothing new.
And you sit there and you think, well, you're asking me, Derek, just, are you saying Kanye has mental illness? No, no, I'm not. Unless you consider having more money than you know what to do with than you'll ever need in your life, being anywhere and everywhere you are ever is uh, you're going to just buy anything you want and nobody in your orbit tells you no. There's literally not a human being around you who will dare stand up to you and say, Kanye, I think it's pretty messed up what you said, or hey, I, I wouldn't say that, or you're wrong about this. There's nobody in Kanye's orbit who's going to say that. You know why? Because the people he hangs around, it's impossible to have friends when you're a billionaire, I would think. And they would say, well, you're going to hang out with people that you that you grew up with because they knew you back then. They can call you, yeah. Those people back then sit there and still go, you know, I'm not really sure you want to be doing this, Kanye. And maybe they do. And then if you really, if the person really wants to do it, Kanye will say, you know what? I'll throw a rock out that window and I'll hit somebody. They'll come in and replace you for whatever it is you do. And they won't give me the crap you're doing. You do that once or twice. You even just say that once or twice. And guess what happens? You get a whole bunch of people going, I'm not going to say a damn thing to so-and-so about their insanity. I'm not going to say a damn thing about what they're doing or whatever. I'm not going to tell them they're crazy. I'm not going to tell them they're nuts. And so you live this life insulated from reality where you just look at it and and there's no limits on you whatsoever. Oh, I'm dating the latest supermodel. Oh, you know what? This supermodel isn't enough. You know what? I want to bring another supermodel with us to bed. Uh, your supermodel girlfriends go, no, I don't want to do that. And it's all right, well, there's the door. I will get another supermodel girlfriend who will. I'll get another supermodel who will be down with this. There's literally nothing. Everything kind of loses all meaning to people when no isn't a possibility. It just, there are no limits on you, no guardrails, no, not even, you know, pumping the brakes but taking your foot off the gas there's nothing holding you back the greatest people in the world would have their limits tested to put it mildly and Kanye is and you don't want to take advice from people like that unless maybe about business or where to put your money but in general and they say well I'm putting money into this company and you go all right well I'm going to throw a bunch of money into that and you throw all your money into that because you think that this person is going to show you the way and then that company goes belly up they lost 0.07% of their net worth and you lost everything you think they care they think they look at you and go oh gee sorry you lost $100,000 here here I'll break off $100,000 for you and make you whole again that's not how it works it's not how they work they don't notice the destruction in their wake because their entire ecosystem is designed to insulate them from the consequences when they're you know when in the rare occasion there are consequences. So stop elevating people, conservatives. You can elevate and amplify some things that people say, but don't elevate the person just because they said some things you like. There's a difference between the two. And you end up getting screwed in the end when you pretend that Kanye is the way, and then two days later he's spewing anti-Semitic garbage on social media. Just as an interesting aside, by the way, after uh, my daughter Bailey's birthday party on Saturday, we went. I ordered some Italian food for everybody of the family afterwards. I went and picked up. If I tell you, when I say that I, I prefer animals to people, I'm not all that kidding. <laughs> 
sitting, I come out with the Italian food, and I hear like scream meowing off in the distance. I'm like what the hell? There's a truck leaving. I thought maybe there's a cat in that truck, but it didn't go away when the truck went away. And it's pretty far away, so it's pretty loud. Walk to the other side of the street and in the bushes along this golf course. There's a there's something. There's a cat. Obviously, it's meowing. I can't see as it's too dark. So I. Being this, it won't stop, but it's moving. You could tell the, the meowing was coming from different spots as it was moving, but it was just one meow. So I walked to the CVS, bought some cans of cat food. I bought a 12 box of cat food, put down four cans of cat food. I tried to look with my flashlight and my phone, but I couldn't see squat. So then I uh, got up, eh, I guess I woke up about six o'clock on Sunday. Went back up there before anybody else woke up. Couldn't hear anything, didn't see anything, but all the food was gone. The bright raccoons ate most of it, but the cat must have eaten something. It's near houses, so the cat probably went back home. I don't know. And then we got the kids, got up, and a couple hours later went back looking for the cat. We were ready to do cat rescue. But we didn't find the cats. For a person, I probably would have given them a sandwich. <laughs> that would have been it. But we were ready to adopt the cat. We were ready to take the cat to the vet, save the cat, whatever. So, yeah, when I say that I prefer most animals to most people, I'm not entirely exaggerating. <laughs> Either that or I'm just this. Look, animals don't let you down. Animals, like, they're animals. They, do, they don't know what they're doing. People mistreat them. People have a say most of the time in what they do, and that's my problem with them. That's my, uh, that's my thoughts on Kanye and thoughts on cats and everything. Now, I want to play this clip... <sighs> even though it happened on Friday of Joe Biden, just because it's so damn funny. The reaction to it really is the story. Joe Biden went to Hagerstown, Maryland. Hagerstown, Maryland is it's about an hour from D.C., much less, much closer if you have a helicopter or uh, a motorcade where the police get everybody, they plow the road. They plow the road. You, you can do 80 up to 70, you can do 90, you can do 100. I'm not saying I've done these things, but I've done these things. Uh, but there's always the chance that you're going to get a ticket. And there's always a chance that you're going to run into some jackass who's going 55 in the left-hand lane going, I am doing the speed limit. I have just as much right to this lane as you do. That's the passing lane, idiot, first and foremost. But secondly, there's just something called common courtesy. I don't know what kind of abuse you suffered as a child, but it was not enough. I hate really people, slow drivers who drive slow in the left lane. But the president, instead of availing himself of Marine One or the Beast to get up there in pretty quick time, decided to take the Marine One helicopter to Joint Base Andrews and then fly Air Force One up to Hagerstown, Maryland. Remember this next time he whines and complains about your carbon footprint or insisting that you make sacrifices in the name of the planet. Of course, he goes to Delaware all the time. He could copter over there pretty easily, but he doesn't. He instead flies there. Then they fly the copters there, and then they transport him locally with the copters. The copters could make the flight, but uh, he's not interested in saving the planet. He likes to look, who, would, who wouldn't want to fly an Air Force One every chance they get? Although Air Force One, on the flight to Hagerstown, I assume you... Go up. You don't quite make cruising altitude because you've already started your descent to land, which you probably shouldn't 
take those flights if that's the case, unless you're taking a small plane. But the president doesn't fly in small planes. So he goes up there to a an auto plant, and he starts off with a Joe Bidenism, and he doesn't catch it. That's the, I say this all the time. People screw up. Everybody screws up. Everybody will make a verbal gaffe. People who are not suffering from dementia catch them, catch themselves. Hey, uh, John, I mean, uh, Jim, how you doing? I felt like a jackass. So my friend comes over to the party this weekend. He brought his daughter with him. I know he had a daughter and a son. I don't know which one's which. I hadn't seen them since they were barely able to walk. Um, hung out with him. I just haven't seen his kids because why would I? He brought over his daughter and I introduced her as, and I thought it was a son. She had a short haircut. I don't know. I felt like a jackass. But I caught myself and I apologized. The President of the United States doesn't catch himself. He just plows through. No matter how stupid the mistake is, he just plows through. And that's what we have here in his remarks to these auto workers. The President of the United States saying just he just wants to say two words two words let me start off with two words made in america made in america made in america two words made in america and then he repeats it made in america now he could be talking about iron maiden i don't think so but he could be talking about iron maiden and maybe they have uh, I don't know what Bruce Dickinson and the gang are up to, but he could be. The only reason I know that is I dated a girl ages ago who was a big Iron Maiden fan. We didn't date very long, but I had to, uh, Bruce Dickinson either released a book or a solo album or something, and she had to work. And so I had to go and get Bruce Dickinson's autograph for her. But it was like Made in America, like Iron Maiden's America, maybe... But I doubt that. I think he means made in, I-N, America. And he said it twice. Two words. And then proceeded to say three words. Now, in response to that, of course, the mockery was legion on social media. It was brilliant. I mean, how do you not mock that? How do you look at Joe Biden? How do you listen to Joe Biden and not go, I got I to gotta go make fun of this guy? It's so easy. He makes it. You know, just like out in Rehoboth Beach when people kept creating uh, Brandon Falls in Rehoboth Beach and people would go and uh, Google had to remove it as a place of interest because it's not really waterfalls. It's where Joe Biden fell off his bike. But people were going and taking their pictures at the place where Joe Biden fell off his bike at Brandon Falls. Well, Joe Biden, two words, made in America, made in America to show you just how much control over people's access to knowledge the liberal media still has. Don't make it, make no mistake. Conservative media is making inroads. They're making dents. They're doing damage to the monopoly, but there still is a monopoly that people who consider themselves to be educated, informed, were not informed. And then you, when you hear some of these names, you've got to realize that these people are the ones who give information. Send in, these are 
These are the sources of news for a lot of your fellow Americans. Most people don't follow news. So as somebody like a George Takei or a David Hogg or, uh, you know, a, a, a Chip Franklin, all these leftists, they are what feed a lot of people's knowledge. This is where they get their information from. And so you're sitting there thinking these people are, this is an idiot. No, these people are idiots. No question about it. But they have millions and millions and millions of followers in total. And uh, it's a very slippery slope of uh, information. You sit there and you think, how could people be so stupid? It's because they get their information from somebody like this. Well, what am I talking about? Lauren Boebert, Congresswoman, tweeted out mockery of the President of the United States. She said two words, let's go, Brandon. Now, you had to have lived in a world where you didn't know what happened. You didn't know that clip existed that I played for you, for that not to make sense to you. So many liberals don't. David Hogg, Boss Hogg, hundreds of thousands of followers, the guy who wants to take your Second Amendment rights away. Three words, Colin, you're an idiot. He had no idea. He had no idea. This is a full day after the President of the United States made himself look like a complete jackass by saying it and repeating it. Chip Franklin used to be a radio host out in San Francisco. He used to be a radio host here in Baltimore. He was a conservative back then. Now he's a liberal because he's in San Francisco, even though he got fired out in San Francisco because he's a horrible person and probably doesn't really believe in anything. He says, Lauren Boebert, is Lauren Boebert dumb as dirt or just unable to count? Chip, your business is commenting on the news. Supposedly, shouldn't you follow the news? Shouldn't you? Congresswoman Casey Weinstein, that's three words, he says in response. <laughs> the former uh, national finance chair of the Biden campaign, and he also worked on the uh, Barack Obama campaign, a guy named John Cooper. He responds, breaking Lauren Boebert just completely humiliated herself, tweeting two words, colon, let's go, Brandon. That's three words. She's such a friggin' moron. Do you recognize what you're doing? George Takei, one of the dumbest human beings on the planet. But for some reason, he has millions of followers because of his Star Trek time. And he, he has milked being a minor character on a TV show a long time ago to make a fortune. He says, she can't count. You can't follow the news. So when you sit there and you hear the president, this, this video of the president of the United States viewed tens of millions of times all online, I would venture to say that just about every single conservative out there shared this in one form of social media or another. It was everywhere. And yet somehow 24 to 48 hours later, these committed leftists, these fountains of information, these people from whom... Sadly, so many of your fellow Americans get their information from still hadn't heard of it. You want to talk about leading an insulated life. You want to talk about being clueless as to what's going on. They're not, they don't care. There's a difference between clueless and not caring. 
These people know they don't know things. Some of them probably had seen the video, but they didn't care. They were counting on their audience not having seen it. They were counting on the ignorance of their audience going forward. And I'll tell you, you'll never go broke as a liberal underestimating the ignorance of your own audience. So you've got this echo chamber of an idiot president who makes statements that are so stupid as to be beyond the pale. And then you've got a whole group of people, informers, influencers is the word that they use when it comes to social media, influencers on social media who are so clueless as to what's going on in their world that they don't recognize it. They don't see it. They don't know it. And they go back and mock it. And you can mock it and I mock them for it. But I promise you, their followers still to this day haven't seen the video, haven't heard the audio of this idiot president from Friday. They still don't know what's going on. They still look at these tweets and goes, oh my God, can you believe Lauren Boebert is that stupid? David Hogg really called her out on that. There's ignorance and then there's dangerous ignorance. You can figure out which category these people fall into. I'm looking at the Twitter machine and I see... The ugly mug of Frankenstein's monster, Uncle Fester, up there in Pennsylvania, in the trends, what's happening thing. And he's sitting there going, why is John Fetterman trending? And he's not. He's not trending. New York Magazine is trying to prop him up. The liberal establishment is trying to prop him up. And that's why it's up there. You look and you say, oh, New York Magazine, one hour ago, the vulnerability of John Fetterman. That's what's, what's happening. It's not what's happening. If you if it's something that's actually trending and you click on it, here's a little pro tip. It'll come up with a bunch of categories. Uh, latest tweets, most popular tweets, photos, videos, whatever. Those things will come up as options to search for. If it's something a company is paying for, it just goes right to their stream of consciousness, their 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 thread about whatever it is. They're trying to drum up clickbait. They are trying to prop up the uh, incompetent boob that is the lieutenant governor of the state of Pennsylvania right now. And you sit there and you look and there's, you click on it and there's picture after picture and picture of John Fetterman. Says the vulnerability of John Fetterman inside this year's highest stakes Senate race. They say John Fetterman is trying to flip Pennsylvania's open Senate seat while fending off a celebrity doctor and recovering from a stroke that almost killed him. It almost killed him. Well, he should have actually dropped out of the race. He can't string together a coherent sentence. He's not, uh, he was never all that bright anyway, speaking in grunts and growls. And now he mixes up words. And like he says, he wants to kick the balls in the responsibility, things like that. And it says, even before Fetterman became the Democratic nominee for the seat, one of the pivotal few in the Senate that could flip from Republican control, he had attained folklore status. Folklore status. Why? They, they grabbed their lutes, they leaned against a tree, and they, uh, with their hooved fingers, just played songs about John Fetterman. Is that what we're supposed to believe? Fetterman defied the right-wing caricatures of the contemporary left as elite 
effete, and out of touch because he was self-evidently none of those things. Now, what are they basing that on? He's none of those things, you see. Don't you see? He's none of those things. He has tattoos. Okay. And he wears a hoodie. He doesn't like to wear suits. Okay. So what? He was born into a rich family. He has milked those connections of that rich family and the money of that rich family to allow him to live a life of essential leisure, being able to pursue politics as more of a hobby since he only shows up to the job about half the time. And uh, he's never really had to worry about paying a bill in his lifetime. If it doesn't get more elite and defeat and out of touch than that, I don't know what to tell you. But see, John Fetterman plays dress up. John Fetterman plays dress up the way that Michael Moore plays dress up. The people at New York Magazine know that John Fetterman is a rich guy who lived off of his parents' money until he was 41 years old, until he became lieutenant governor of the state, even when he was mayor and running down black guys and pointing shotguns at their chests because they were jogging in a city that was mostly white, where he was mayor, and he thought, well, he had to be committing a crime. Even while that was happening, John Fetterman was living off of his parents' money. It wasn't until he got a $176,000 a year job and had higher aspirations that he recognized that being a leech off of his parents' money while decrying wealth probably wasn't that good of a look on people. Now, he didn't pay any of the old money back. He probably still uh, gets breaks on property values and things like that. But I'm sure he, he, he gets his money from his family in different ways now. He's not going to get it, but it's telling that he had to make $176,000 a year before he said, all right, now I'm going to stand up. I'm going to be my own man. I'm strong. I don't need my parents' money anymore after 41 years and finally almost making a quarter of a million dollars. But if I put on a hoodie, I play dress up. I'm just like Michael Moore, and therefore I am a man of the people. You're not a man of the people. People can't get anywhere near you. You're not a man of the people. If you don't take questions from the people because you can't string together a coherent sentence because of the brain damage you suffered after your stroke, then you're not really in touch with the people. But New York Magazine declared him to be, and that's enough. Now, the audience, like the people of Pennsylvania, the blue-collar workers of Pennsylvania that they're trying to convince Uh, that they're trying to reach, that Fetterman needs to reach, are not going to fall for this crap, mostly because they're not going to read New York Magazine. Who the hell reads New York Magazine? Well, it's pretty obvious if you think about it. The people who can donate to campaigns read New York Magazine. The wealthy, liberal elite read New York Magazine. They can go to Fetterman's website and they can max out to his campaign. They can raise a lot of money off of this article. And a lot of them will be sitting there in New York society going, you know what, I know the Fettermans. They're good people. We we uh, hang together at the club and blah, blah, blah. And of course, I'll support their son. He's trying to keep those evil right-wingers, somebody like Dr. Oz, who, you know, made his own money. The horror of somebody who made their own. Can you imagine? 
The indignity of making your own money? Uh, Fetterman got it the old-fashioned way. He uh, he inherited it. How actually a great many number of New Yorker magazine readers got their money. They inherited it. Not because their family earlier in life had earned it. A lot of these people, you got to realize, a lot of these people, uh, you go back far enough, they took care of their mistresses, let's just say. Back in the the turn of the 21st century, the robber baron era, where people were just making money hand over fist, they uh, they had their wives, they had their kids, they took care of them, but they also had enough money to take care of their mistresses, their side pieces. Boy, how did they have a lot of those. And to their credit, they took care of them. And they took care of them in a way that a great many of them to this day, either through gifts of property or what have you, the, the uh, descendants of those people probably the illegitimate descendants of illicit relationships with those rich people, they could still live off of that money and that property today. They don't really have to work. So they can relate to a Fetterman in that sense, but they can also fool themselves into going, he's wearing a hoodie. He wears shorts. He's not a typical politician. He's so different than a Joe Biden. Well, He's not really. He isn't. He can't string together a coherent sentence. He's gotten by on his family's connections and money. He's never really held a real job in his life. And he was wildly stupid even before he had brain issues. So in that sense, he could be, maybe maybe he is a Biden descendant. Who knows? But you've got to love the way that the media is trying to prop him up. It's the exact opposite of reality. It's not exactly what the Fetterman was, what the Democratic Party wanted, the New York Magazine says, but he was perhaps what they needed, colon, the unicorn who could persuasively pitch policies that would make voters' lives better while conveying that he was one of them. Halloween is coming up. It's fitting that they would portray John Fetterman as, quote, one of them, Blue collar, if you're, first of all, there's no government policy that's going to make your life better. That's you. Getting government out of your way is your best chance, but you're going to have to actually do something. Nobody's going to just give you things that are going to make your life better. In fact, the mere act of government giving you things and you being dependent on the government giving you those things will make your life worse. But that's neither here nor there. If you're inclined to believe that government can make your life better, I can't help you. Just know that your life will not be better. But he is not one of them. As I said, his family is filthy rich. He is rich. This family, his parents paid for his life. They paid for it. They didn't just keep him on an allowance. They paid for his life until he was 41 years old. He's not one of you. He's playing costume. He's playing dress up. Oh, he put on a Carhartt hoodie. Therefore, he's just like you are. No, he's not. You have to wash your Carhartt hoodie because you get it covered in concrete splatter or asphalt splatter or dirt or filth or whatever, depending on what your job is. Whereas he throws it in the laundry and somebody comes along and washes it for him. I guarantee you it's not somebody as lazy as he is. And he goes to the drawer and pulls out one of another two dozen that he has, depending on the day, what collar he wants and which uh, who he's trying to pander to in that day. That's what he does. It's dress up. 
Then on May 13th, he had a stroke. Four days after doctors removed a clot that could have killed him, he won the Democratic primary. Tells you that maybe the Democratic voters up in Pennsylvania had a clot of their own. The fact that he's even in this race is a disgrace. Makes me think that polling perhaps is not, not on the ball here. Fetterman's greatest strength, his indestructible guyness. Yeah, his indestructible guyness. That's what they, they, a human being wrote that. The people who don't know what a woman is wrote that. Was jeopardized, his infirmity seized upon by his Republican opponent, Mehmet Oz, who happens to be a doctor. Fetterman spent much of the summer in recovery. He could not campaign in person, but he launched a social media blitz blitz that uh, viciously teasing Oz for being, until very recently, a longtime resident of New Jersey. Oh, wow. Brutal. He lived in New Jersey. Well, look, nobody should live in New Jersey, but at least they didn't live in their mom's house or a house that their parents owned or their sister owned. So Dr. Oz has that going for him. This tells you the links to which these people will go. There is nothing these people will not do. So we shift our look out west. Fetterman has agreed to one debate because that's all he can do. There's a good possibility he'll still cancel that one because he is not mentally up to it. Before the stroke, he was stupid. Now he can't speak clearly after the stroke. Add to that the stupidity, and you've got a recipe for disaster that Democrats desperately want to avoid. So you go out to Arizona. A woman named Katie Hobbs is running against Carrie Lake out there. Carrie Lake she was billed by the left-wing media as, oh man, she's MAGA. She's Trump in a skirt. She is an election denier. She's a monster. She's a horrible this, that, and the other thing. Well, the people out in Arizona, particularly I think the Phoenix area, know who she is. They've gotten their news from her for a long time before she retired. She is exceedingly good on television, which is nice. Somebody who can articulate conservatism and do so... Uh, in a, in a way that television audiences understand, somebody who understands the medium. That's part of what made Trump so powerful, is he understood the medium of television in a way that most of the politicians didn't. They've used it, but he came from it. There's a difference. She came from it. Now, uh, her opponent, Democrat Katie Hobbs, tried to pull the, she's too extreme. I don't want to debate her. I don't want to dignify her with a debate, the same sort of garbage that a, a wedding here in, or is pulling here in Maryland. They don't want, he's, uh, my opponent is too extreme. I'm not going to allow, Westmore has the benefit of it being a major league Democrat state. And uh, he can pull away with that because Dan Cox, quite frankly, isn't running a campaign that most people wouldn't notice. Aside from lawn signs, what do you know? about Dan Cox. I'm trying to get Dan Cox on the radio. Communicating with his campaign is uh, difficult, to say the least. So, you know, I can only go so far in trying to do somebody a favor before it, it becomes a lot like a chore. And I just go, all right, well, all right. It's all in your court. All you've got to do is respond to text messages and you can come on, get free time, but no. But anyway, Katie Hobbs is out there. She's saying, I'm not going to debate Carrie Lake. She's an extremist. The problem is that uh, Carrie Lake is a really good campaigner. 
She's a really good candidate. She has used her time well, and she is now in the lead in the polls. And Katie Hobbs is now married to the idea that I'm not going to debate this person. They're too extreme to debate. Now if she agrees to a debate, the not debating has hurt Democrat Katie Hobbs immeasurably. People don't like it when you run from um, a debate. Now enough people in Maryland when you've got a you know, 30 percentage point uh, registration advantage, it doesn't matter all that much. But in Arizona, it's a lot closer. So now Katie Hobbs can't go back and say, all right, I'll debate you even though she should, because she'd have to eat too much crap for it. Wait, so now she's not too... No, she's, she is too extreme to debate, but uh, I'm losing to her, so I have to debate her, is not uh, what you really want to give to the, to the voters, really not the message you want to convey to voters. It's funny as all get out, because Katie Hobbs is just a horrible candidate otherwise. So Katie Hobbs can't come around and say, ah, now I want to debate. I'm ready to debate because what happened to she's so extreme? You want a reek of desperation. You do something like that. You reek of desperation. She's going to reek of desperation. She's got a, She's made her bed. She's got to lie in it. Now there's another story, by the way, out there about her being, um, and I'll, I'll take her side on this one if I can find it. Because it's one of those things where they went back to high school. Here it is. The UK Daily Mail. It is amazing how so many um, developments, revelations about Democrats come from the British press. We do have, I think we have a press here in the United States, but whatever. Headline, exclusive, how Arizona's Democratic governor candidate Katie Hobbs organized her high school's Spirit Week, where students took part in a slave day and bid for younger students to perform degrading tasks. I don't know what year, from 1997. Okay, here we go. Arizona Democratic gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs was a student leader at her Catholic preparatory high school when pupils took part in a yearly tradition known as Slave Day. Copies from past yearbooks of Seton Catholic Preparatory High School were obtained by Daily Mail and appear to show the practice went on for nearly four decades and was last mentioned in the yearbook in 1997. Now, were these yearbooks unavailable to anybody before now? How do these people... This is a yearbook. It's not, you know, a personal copy, a good friend has turned on... This is a freaking yearbook. Whatever. Hobbs, who played an active student body role as a member of the yearbook staff and student council for part of her tenure, went to school there from 1984 through 1988. Now, in principle... I find this disgusting that you're sitting there, you're going to judge somebody what they did in high school. It's a tradition. She didn't start it. She didn't go out and catch people at the mall and enslave them. Nothing like that. It's get over yourselves. That being said, these are politically correct leftists. This is a big old dose of their own medicine. So I don't really care about the injustice of it all. If they sit idly by as this ruined conservatives, as this ruins conservatives, then let's game on. Game on. The tradition entails freshman students performing tasks for senior class masters that include performing, quote, embarrassing acts of servitude. 
everybody has played this game as a kid or whatever you called it. It didn't matter. Mine, it was robots. It was how I remember in like third grade, a girl named Chrissy Sherman. We were trying to, all me, my friend Pat, my friend Brad all had crush on her. And we'd walk around a tree. There were two other girls. And you always wanted to be Chrissy's robot. You had to do whatever they told you. But you know, only one of us got to do that. And it was just, that was how you spent your lunch hour or whatever, playtime. It was stupid. It wasn't hard. We didn't call it slave. If we'd have called it slave, we'd all be in jail right now. But we called it robot. God, people are so damn stupid. But the Democrats started this stuff. It's only fitting when it eats one of their own. So let it eat them. Let it eat them. One example from the 1985 yearbook, which has been under the uh, end of Hobbes' freshman year, describes slaves in her grade, quote, wearing unbecoming hairdos and unbecoming outfits, sporting embarrassing signs and performing embarrassing acts of servitude for senior masters for the day. It's In other words, it's kids being kids. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Kids aren't allowed to have any fun in any way, shape, or form. I forget. I, we had uh, the party over here over the weekend, so I gave a tour to some people. And uh, take them into the bed, you know, upstairs. Like, this is this is the master bedroom. And I always say, this is now the primary suite. And they're like, what? I said, yeah, no, you can't. You're not allowed to say master bedroom anymore. Because you're not. If you watch HGTV, it's like, oh, let's go to the primary suite. And if you're uninitiated you're going what the hell is that all about and it's because we live in such a stupid society that's out of real problems that we have to make them up that they go oh no you can't call it a master suite anymore because that uh, intones slavery so you know it's the master's room so you got to call it the primary suite like how about you just somebody's got to tell these people just shut up go jump jump and go play in traffic go do something go to hell get lost at some point, is there a line? There doesn't seem to be a line, but you would think at some point there would be a line. I say that knowing full well what I'm talking about. I want this Democrat to suffer for it because they started it. It's not clear that herself participated herself in the auctions, but her 1987 student council page credits her and the other student leaders for having, quote, coordinated the many class events during Spirit Week, when Slave Day appears to have been celebrated. She would have likely known the tradition was celebrated and regularly featured in Seton Catholic Prep Yearbook when she joined its staff in 1987. The 1987 yearbook mentions Slave Day four times. God. <laughs> Hairdos were bad back then. An accompanying image shows the students on their knees while wearing a collar leash led by what appears to be a fellow classmate. Yeah, no kidding. We get the concept. But this is going to damage her, and it should, just out of justice, because of justice, karma. Man, you put this stuff out in the ether, you embrace this stuff. When it happens to the other team, when it comes home to whack you right upside the head, don't expect me to care. Don't expect me to tell you to put on a helmet. Don't expect me to do anything but point and laugh. So good job. As if she wasn't doing enough damage to her campaign, she was on a local television show there running for governor, being too cowardly to debate her Republican opponent because she's so extreme. She was asked <clears throat> about limitations on abortion. 
Listen to these non-answer. The reporter, to their credit, goes back. And local reporters are so much better at this when they don't suck. When they're good. She goes. The reporter goes back and asks her again, and she she simply can't say. She she doesn't want people to know. She wants her cake and to eat it too. It's not the way the world works. What would the Hobbs administration's weak limit be for abortion access? If it's not 15 weeks, what is it? Look, abortion is a very personal decision that belongs between a woman and her doctor. The government and politicians don't belong in that decision. We need to let doctors perform the care that they are trained and take an oath to to perform. So if an Arizona voter were to conclude from your previous answer that you do not favor any specific weak limit on abortion, would they be correct? I support leaving the decision between a woman and her doctor and leaving politicians entirely out of it. <laughs> she just can't say, anytime you want an abortion, go ahead and have an abortion. Abortion on demand up until, the, until birth. I don't care. Why can't you just say it? Because most people find that repugnant. Most polling data says, hey, there's got to be some kind of limit. All right, you get uh, three months. Make up your damn mind already. And uh, the extremists go, no, there can be nothing up until the, until the kid goes to college. You've got to be able to make that choice. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a clump of cells taking the car out for the weekend. It's just nothing but a clump of cells. Uh, sorry, that's, that's not the way the world works. She won't debate. Now she's, I was wrong. That's, uh, that was Major Garrett. That was CBS's this morning or the Sunday show. But I do love that uh, she just simply cannot, will not answer that question. So I'm looking at this story from the Daily Mail about uh, the Democrat there, and then I see this one. Nine women, including Governor Gavin Newsom's actress wife, prepare to testify about Harvey Weinstein, how Harvey Weinstein sexually assaulted them as jury selection for his L.A. trial gets underway. I don't remember Gavin Newsom like complaining about Harvey Weinstein. Let's see. Uh, she says she alleged that Weinstein raped her in 2005 when she was an actress. It was three years before she married Newsom. And did Gavin, I'd be curious to know if Gavin Newsom attended any, or if uh, Gavin Newsom ever took any campaign money from Harvey Weinstein. Or what was going on there? And at any time, not before they got married, but certainly after they got together, I assume they dated for a little while. Seems something rather curious. I'd be worth looking into. Hmm. Wouldn't surprise me. Politicians are politicians. Speaking of politicians, New York has a new mayor. And it's amazing. Uh, look, th there, you're not going to find much argument that the last mayor of New York was just one of the worst mayors in the history of like since the Tammany Hall days. Just one of the absolute worst. Wildly incompetent. Lazy, didn't like doing the job. He, just awful at everything he did. But this new guy seems to be giving him a run for his money. The difference is you could at least look at, at uh, de Blasio and go, God, he's incompetent. But at least he's not showing up to the job very often. So he can't really screw things up all that much. Sure, he gave his wife a job with uh, or, uh, an organization that uh, 
his wife headed up like a billion dollars and most of it disappeared to fight poverty or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of corruption. There's a ton of corruption. But he didn't show up to be even more corrupt. Eric Adams seems to be showing up every day and is incompetent, just as incompetent as, well, maybe not as incompetent, but close as de Blasio. Certainly um, more energetic. If you're going to have incompetent leadership, you want it to be lazy because you don't want anybody showing up every day being incompetent. You just want them to like go away. You want them to keep John Fetterman's schedule. I'll show up about half the time. I won't really do much when I'm there. Don't wake me up unless you absolutely need me. If that, if you got to have corrupt, incompetent politicians, that's what I want. I want the guy who you know, gets mad when you wake him up because he's got some official duty to do. Then they do it and they get the hell out of there as quickly as possible because they're mad that you woke them up. Eric Adams is in good shape. He has a lot of energy. He has a lot of bad ideas because he's a Democrat on top of it. So he was talking about, he had a press conference about how New York City can't handle, I think it's somewhere, it's a couple thousand illegal aliens that have shown up on buses. Now imagine you're a Texas border town where a couple of thousand people march across the border every single damn day. Every day they march across the border. And nobody gives a damn. Nobody in New York... D.C., Boston, all these Chicago, all these sanctuary cities who say, come on, come one, come all. It's wonderful. We will always be a sanctuary city. We love people. We're not racist. We're saying, and so they start shipping them up there saying, all right, well, here's what you wanted. Here's what you wanted. And uh, they're going, no, this is, this is not what we want. We can't handle it. You're going, okay, a city of 8 million people can't handle 2,000 people, but a city of... 2,000 is supposed to handle 10,000 people? Here's a dose of your own medicine, again, which I love. New Yorkers are angry. I am angry, too. We have not asked for this. There was never any agreement to take on the job of supporting thousands of asylum seekers. This responsibility was simply handed to us without warning as buses began showing up. There's no playbook for this. No precedent. It was just thrust upon. We did not ask for this. People just started showing up. Yeah, you, you did kind of ask for it. When you're out there insisting, we will, we are welcoming. And by contrast, it wasn't just that we are welcoming. It's that the people who are being overrun by it, who aren't happy about being overrun by it, those people are going, you look at them and you go, those people are racist. Those people are terrible. Those people are awful. Those people are monsters. When you're sitting there demonizing other people, they go, hey, wait a second. To hell with you. All right, you want it? You're going to get your own medicine. Here you go. Here's a big old dose of your own medicine. And they, no, no, no. Can't have that. Won't have that. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. Even when you wish it, just wish it on others. You wish it on others and you still end up in a situation where you're getting thousands of people thrown in there. Thousands. Remember, thousands of people. Thousands can't possibly handle thousands then how the hell do you expect these cities of thousands to handle tens of thousands how do you expect you don't you don't care out of sight out of mind you don't see it you're not impacted by it you look at the people who are suffering at it and you go well, they're just racist it's really easy to dismiss them so i'm sorry mayor that you can't handle this you're not prepared for this your system isn't set up for it tough 
tough. Do you think that, you know, the middle of nowhere Texas is set up for it? Hell, even El Paso's overrun by tens of thousands of people, million people a month at a minimum. And those are the people they catch. A million people a month coming across the southern border. And we're supposed to care that you're getting your resources strained a little bit? You're the one who says open borders are a good thing? You're the one who says that you have to be welcoming, that you're welcoming? You virtue signal to the whole country. Forgive the governor of Texas and the governor of Florida for believing your virtue signal. Make no mistake, that's all they did. That was the mis- well, they did they knew what they were doing. But if there was anything, they believed what you were saying publicly. Oh, we're a welcoming city. We're a tolerant city. We're not like those evil evil Republicans down on the southern border. Okay, here you go. Here's all the illegal aliens you could possibly want. <laughs> we weren't serious. Good lord, no, we weren't serious. Yeah. Tough. Just like out in Arizona with the slave day controversy hey man you wanted this you started this you deal with it suck it up buttercup it's coming your way anyway tomorrow i'm looking at this i just i gotta end we're out of time but there's this story i meant to get to the other day the belgian woman was euthanized she said she was traumatized in an isis attack And she chose suicide, state-sanctioned suicide. She survived a terrorist attack in 2017. And the trauma is part of the reason she wanted to kill herself, the PTSD. And so she killed herself. She was, was I think she's 23 years old. 23. This is what's acceptable over in Europe nowadays. This is how, yeah, she's 23-year-old. A physically healthy 23-year-old took her own life with the help of the state. Over in Europe, you sit there and you say, well, that's Europe. What are you going to do? No, this is a precursor to what happens here. I promise you that. Promise you it'll be coming. So we'll get to that tomorrow. We're going to call it a day for today. I do appreciate you listening. The use of your ears is wildly important and quite frankly why this program exists. Have yourself a wonderful one. Like I say, be back here tomorrow because in the next God knows how many hours there'll be enough insanity to do more. I'll see you then. Thanks.